Welcome back to another episode of We're Going There. And if you've been a friend for a minute, then you know that I am passionate about healthy relationships and not just relationships in whatever season I'm in, but addressing the various relationships that impact our life. Let's think about this. From friends to family to dating to marriage, I'm always asking, how can we do this better? Today's conversation is lengthier than usual, but I feel like it's really important. So instead of me massaging the topic and giving my thoughts on the front end of our time together, I really wanted you all to be part of the conversation as a whole. Today, we're going to be talking about singleness. If you're listening to this and you're married, I'm going to lovingly ask you not to tune out or tune off. Why? Because sometimes we are prone to forget, ignore, or disengage from people who aren't like us, or they're not in the season that we're in. As a follower of Jesus, I never want to ostracize or ignore a huge part of the body of Christ. That's why this conversation is so important. After I graduated college, I noticed that church communities really didn't know what to do with singles. We were valued, but esteem came when we fit into this perfect little mold of what everyone thought we were supposed to be. The church knew how to talk to married couples, how to talk to children or teens, and there was ministry for all of that. But where did this single adult fit? Now as a church leader, I am adamant and passionate about this phrase, and I say it often at church. You do not have to have a significant other to be significant. I want to let that pause for a second. You don't have to have a significant other to be significant. I really want us to hold on to that because sometimes it feels as if our significance is going to happen when someone chooses us or picks us. And that's a lie straight from the pit. Now, if you're single or you know someone who is, there's many stages and phases of singleness, but I've kind of whittled it down to three. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Stage one is you are single like a Pringle ready to mingle and your pockets jingle. You are excited about dating. You have energy for dating. You're excited and hopeful to meet new people. That's one stage of singleness. Another stage of singleness, you might be coming out of a relationship broken heart, broken relationship, broken dreams, or maybe you are currently in a broken relationship where you know at some point this is going to have to end and the idea of relationship feels very scary. Or maybe you find yourself in a third stage, a stage where you have hopes of being married, you have hopes of being in relationship, but you are still single. You've done everything right. You've prayed, you've gone to counseling, you've fasted, you're in a support group, you have lots of friends, you're on online dating, but you're still single. This is super important for us to recognize and identify what stages we're in and how we are to respond when we are desirous of some sort of different outcome. But whether you are male, female, young or old, married, widowed or divorced, I want you to know this. Your singleness is not a curse. Your singleness is not a disease. Your singleness is not a problem. Your singleness doesn't make you less than. And I want to dismantle the lie and the misnomer that marriage is the prize for being beautiful or a better person or more holy person. That too is a lie. Now, someone out there might be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say because you're married. And that's true. But for a long time, I wasn't. And I swore to myself that I would never forget what it felt like to be completely alone and completely unchosen. Now, I remember getting invites and seeing the progression of invites as life changed. It went from college graduations with my friends to engagement parties to weddings and then to baby showers, all while my life stayed exactly the same while theirs continued to move forward. This is how bad it was. Y'all, I was a youth leader and I took youth group kids from junior high into high school. Then they went off to college and then they started sending me their wedding invitations all while I was still single. Now, I am so passionate about getting resources into the hands of my friends and podcast listeners. But thinking about this, like for me, I didn't really have a whole lot of resources. There weren't books or I didn't know who to go to of a trusted voice to lean into the season of singleness. And so I learned from my Bible boyfriend, Paul the Apostle, and he was a man of significance without a significant other. Paul knew that he could maximize his kingdom impact. By not getting married. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. First, it needs to be said that marriage, as well as singleness, are gifts from God, and neither is better than one or the other. However, Paul, who was not married, shared that he wished everyone would have the same amount of time and energy that he had to give themselves to God. This was possible because he didn't have to care for anyone else, a wife or children, In this beautiful season of singleness, you have the potential to focus on God and your purpose on life outside of someone else. 
there are things like switching jobs or moving, starting a business that me personally, I cannot do without thinking about the causal effects that it will have on my husband and my kids or even the church. So I'm inviting you, especially those who are single, to decide how you are going to live your life now. What are you going to do to make your life significant now? I know for me, there was no guarantee that marriage was in my cards. And statistically speaking, marriage is not going to be for everyone. So I had to make a decision to maximize my time, whether or not I got married. And at some point, I pray that you realize that your impact, your efficacy, your significance doesn't depend on your marital status. Before you waste your life sitting idly by, waiting for someone to marry you and make you matter, identify what season you're in. Maybe this is a season for you to get emotionally healthy. Maybe this is a season for you to get out of debt. Maybe this is a season for you to move or go back to school. The reason why I want you to do this assessment before and or after this conversation is that we have got to get singleness right. If we don't get singleness right, you'll get dating wrong. If you don't get dating right, you'll get marriage wrong. If you don't get marriage right, you will get divorced right. And if you're looking for someone to validate you, fix you, or make you whole, you will be sadly disappointed. The significance you crave isn't going to come from a significant other. On today's episode, we're going to sit down and have a conversation with two women who I love and adore. Kat Harris lives in New York City and is a photographer, writer, and podcaster who has lots to share about dating, love, sex, and relationships. Kate Warman is a Los Angeles native who is navigating singleness while being single as an entrepreneur, relationship coach, podcaster, and writer. Do me a favor and pull out your notepad, your pens, because they are going to drop some gems on us that I want you to write down. And if you are not single, will you write this down or share this podcast with your friends, especially those that might feel like this could be a word in due season for them. And I know our podcast guests are always so touched by your amazing responses. You can tag Kat at The Refined Woman and Kate at Kateness. That's K-A-I-T-N-E-S-S as a way to thank them for their story and their wisdom. Now let's go ahead and jump right in. Kat, Kate, we're having a conversation. We are having a conversation today and it's high time that we go there. So welcome to We're Going There. I'm so excited to have you guys on the show. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much for having us, Bianca. <laughs> also, so can excited. we talk about your eyebrow game today? Like, what oh, is happening you. over there with your eyebrows? Thank they look you. so amazing. Oh, you got the red lips. Like, I'm like, oh, yes, okay, you know what? It, it made it worth today. it. You guys, it made it worth it then because <laughs> I this is this is a podcast. No one sees me but you guys. And so it was yeah. worth it. It was it was yes. worth a little bit of eyebrow and lip love. So yes, I'm like, so hold on, let me like right get now. on your level right now. Let me <laughs> Okay, girls. Also, I miss the red lipstick game because I know. of the last year with all the masks. Like I, I'm just getting back into that. So I love it, girl. Even yeah. like the lip gloss game. Like I love a good like lip gloss, and I'm like, it's it worthless. is all over my face. Yes. By the time I, yes. I'm like, is this how guys feel when they make out with girls with lip gloss? It's just like <laughs> everywhere. This definitely has to go in one of the quick fire question <laughs> rounds because I feel like this is going to be a great introduction. So welcome to the show. Kat, give us a little update about where you are coming to us from and what's on the horizon. And then Kate, I want you to go and introduce yourself right after. My name is Kat and Bianca and I have known each other for, we've known each other upwards of 10 years. 10 I feel years. like at this point yeah. we met through your sister, Jasmine and I had a total girl, girl crush on you. And before I had the refined woman, which is the online platform I have, I had a series on my, my photo blog called Mujer, if you don't like woman in Spanish. And I wanted to interview you. And basically it was just my excuse to like interview and take pictures of people that I was like, really thought they were amazing. So we got to know each other there. We drove from Orange County to LA and you just like spoke truth over my life over this guy situation I had. You're like, you are so much better than him. Like, let go of that. That guy's a no. And so I feel like we kind of built this fast friendship there. And I since then moved to New York City. I've been an editorial photographer for the last 12 years. I have a podcast now that has nothing to do with photography. It's called The Refined <laughs> Collective. And somehow in the last few years, Kat got out of the bag that I was single, living in New York City, not having sex. And once that got out, then everyone was like, what? We need to talk with you about that. 
And so I have a book coming out called Sexless in the City. Um, and I never thought this is where I would be in my life. And I don't know, Bianca, if you feel like this, because I feel like you were like the single girl in the church for a while, yeah. you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, I was like, I don't want to do this because I don't want to be the poster child for like single Christian girls. Like right. I was like, no, don't make me God. No, I don't want to do this. But yeah. Here we are, you know, I love it. it. And there's so much more to kind of unpack and talk because I think that you've piqued a lot of questions from people who are listening, but Mm -hmm. Kate, give us a little bit of background of what's going on in life and how we connected. We've known each other now for multiple years. I don't know how many years though. Yeah. I feel like with COVID, I don't even know what time is anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That year (laughs) blinked by, but at least three, maybe more than that years. But yeah. So I am, oh my gosh. And I love Kat and we go way back to, and so I am living in LA and never thought similar to Kat that I would be sitting here before people being, helping other people with their dating lives and still being single. And so when I felt God calling me to do that, about three and a half years ago, I had so many fears pop up. I had just gone through a really bad heartbreak um, with somebody at the time that I really thought I was going to marry. And uh, I was healing from that heartbreak. And I really felt in my heart, like you're supposed to start a podcast. And I was like, God, I don't think that me as a single person is supposed to start a podcast on dating specifically, because that's what kept popping up in my heart. But I really felt that God was like, if not you, who is doing that? And I was like, well, that's true. Nobody's talking about dating. Like this is real. And I also felt God just say to my heart, you know, I have worked so hard in your story to heal you in these areas of dating and relationship and hardship and abuse and toxicity and heartbreak. And I will walk you through this as well. You don't have to be perfectly qualified to step up and do this. And so I started Heart of Dating podcast on a whim, really just like thinking like uh, out of obedience, like this is what I should be doing because I feel God put this in my heart. Never thought though in starting that that it would become this really major passion in my heart so now here we sit over three years later I now do date coaching have online courses and wrote a book that came out in February and I endorse thank you for rejecting (laughs) me hello hello So uh, I just, I, I, here's the thing. I think that I, we discussed this before the podcast began, but one of the things that I love is when I get to talk to real life friends, people that I know I've been on their journey, I've seen their journey. And I usually will start off each podcast with like some quick fire questions, but I feel like, I feel like you guys, we're already warmed up. Okay. Like <laughs> we're already warmed up, rare to go. So you guys both had mentioned this, that you guys are both single, but in a nutshell, because Lord knows when we start talking about dating life, we can go down a rabbit path, but in a nutshell, Kate, give me your current dating status, which side note, I think it's worth noting that we're recording this on April 1st and Kate put out on Instagram, <laughs> a fake engagement post, which oh my which is hilarious, but give us a little bit of a, where you're at dating right now. And then Kat, I would love to get an update on dating life too. Yeah. So my people are freaking out currently after this interview, I'm about to get on Instagram and respond to everybody and tell them I love you. But y'all the date <laughs> I put up there two twenty nine twenty two is not a real date. Okay. I love you, but it's not real. But last year in COVID, I was actually in a serious relationship and that relationship ended in the fall which was super ironic because I had just turned in my manuscript for thank you for rejecting me and then went through a breakup and was like, God, is this a cruel joke? Like what's happening here? Um, (laughs) Sorry. No, this is not part of the plan. This is not my bargain deal with you. But uh, so I really dove straight into healing from that relationship. And, you know, I had better tools to be able to deal with heartbreak. So today we sit in 20, actually, Kat, we were talking about this before, but Kat and I spent some time together at the end of the year. And I remember ending 2020 saying to Kat and to some of our other friends, like, I'm just going to take a pause from dating in 2021, which I did for like two weeks. Okay. <laughs> and then somehow I just started feeling like I wanted to date in a new way. So for the last few months, I've actually been dating people and dating non-exclusively and telling people very upfront, like, hey, I'm dating you and I'm also seeing another person and being very honest about that. So I have been doing dating in a new way in 2021 and I've been loving it, honestly. It's been great. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Okay, Kat, update. Yeah, well, first, I feel like I'm sure someone is like, what a Christian girl that's like not dating, (laughs) going into date number one. Like, is he the one? Like, is it possible to be intentional and also not 
know from the very beginning if he's the one. So I feel like yep. that's like, we could make a whole podcast episode off, off what you we just can. shared, Kate. We can. Um, yeah. Because you have such integrity, Kate, with how you show up. And I, um, I mean, I get to like walk with you and we, we voice memo our breakdowns all the time. We're like, okay, <laughs> dating relationship coach hat off. Like I'm freaking out right now. This guy ghosted me and it hurt. And I know how I would coach someone else, but I'm just really triggered right now. So goodness. Okay. So where am I? I am single. And I actually put on IG stories yesterday or the day before um, I mentioned you, Bianca, because you put something. I can't remember what it was. It was was about not our time, but God's timeline. (laughs) I was like, I feel attacked because (laughs) I for sure thought that I would kind of like the end of my book journey about sexless in the city. I've waited all these years. I've done all this deconstruction, uh, dismantling the shame narratives in my dating and sexual life and still, you know, holding true what I believe scripture to be saying, and God's just going to bless me. And I, I remember a year and a half ago being meeting with my publisher saying, I'm, I'm going to be engaged and or married and pregnant on my book tour. Just so you guys know, <laughs> I was like, name it and claim it. I'm thank I'm thanking God in advance for the prayer. He has yet to answer. And I still do. Like I try to live from that place of thanking God for, um, this stuff that has not yet happened, but I'm like, clearly, uh, that was not God's plan for me. Um, <laughs> I have so many friends that have met, met people and got married in the pandemic. And it has just been like kind of a desert for me. Mm. And even just in the last month, I'm, I know I shared with Kate, um, recently, but I was just like, man, I am striking out. Mm. Like I have had just like a couple scenarios recently where, Oh, I thought this guy liked me. I thought he was putting out the feelers. And so I like take a step towards vulnerability towards him. Like, let's, Oh, like, do you want to hang out or do you want to go on a date? And just totally get, I've just totally got the shot down. And I told my mom a couple weeks ago, I was like, I am definitely not single for lack of trying. Like (laughs) I have put in my 10,000 hours (laughs) and yeah, like I am, I'm in a place where I'm single, but I, um, so I'm, I'm dating. I have the online dating app. I'm still putting myself out there and it's also been hard. Like it's Mm. for me, it's been hard dating throughout the pandemic. And, and I think dating on the heels of uh, not only a disruptive year from the pandemic, but politically and a lot of social justice issues coming up in the last year and a half that for mm. me has just kind of changed. Like who I want to date, like, do you love Jesus? And do you yeah. care about social <laughs> justice? And like, where do you stand on some of these issues? And I think prior to a few years ago, I was like, well, as long as I love Jesus, we'll figure out the rest. And now I'm like, man, I think there could be some more nuance there that I'm digging into. I love that. I love that. Okay. So here's, here's, I am passionate about healthy relationships. I am passionate about people stepping into conflict resolution with a great sense of self-awareness and taking risks and going on dates. But I think it's easy for me to say because I've been married now for 10 years. So my perspective and my voice and my lens is changing, still passionate, but then at some point, even when you're out of the game for a minute, it's different. And so you guys are both single. You guys are both pursuing dating and or actively dating. So I'm asking almost kind of like, as a dating coach, as someone who talks about dating, and then also someone who is single, give me the perspective. What are you hearing from others? Cause you all are talking to so many single women. Give me a pulse. Kat, you're in New York. Kate, you are in LA. You guys both live into very large cities. And so what is dating like for you guys? And then also what are some, what's the, the, the chatter and the din of the conversations that you guys are having with other women about dating? Uh, Yeah, I would say right now there's been a real, and I get it. There's a lot of disappointment, a lot of heartache. And I went through a breakup in the last year. And I feel like a breakup in COVID is the worst time to go through a breakup because during my breakup, I lost my boyfriend who I saw continuously for most of COVID. And the same week, my roommate, who was one of my best friends also moved out. So I went from like two people that I saw continuously for eight months in COVID to nobody. (laughs) to literally crickets in my home. And it was really hard. Loneliness is real. And 
And it's really easy to get lost behind a screen. Um, also with, with uh, I think online dating and the way people are interacting right now, we can so like dehumanize people really quickly online. And so there's been a lot of disappointment, a lot of people really worn out, feeling completely hope it, hopeless, giving up on their dating lives and just like, I'm not even gonna try, online dating sucks, dating sucks. Like I'm just, until the pandemic is fully, fully, fully over, I'm not even gonna try. And mm-hmm. that's probably the most, what I've heard the most. And I get it. After my breakup, I felt so lonely. I was like, I don't want to go online. Um, and so it was, I, I understand feeling the loneliness. I think for me, where, you know, we can be defined by the situation or we can see it as an opportunity to try something different. And so I, that's what I try to encourage people in. Like, I get that the pandemic has been hard. It's been incredibly lonely. There's been a rise of mental health issues. And I, I so understand that. And I see that I have compassion for that. And I also like on the other side, I'm like, hey, we also cannot be a victim to our negative mindsets and to the place that we're in right now. And so, so many people, especially, you know, the women I'm coaching in my inbox are like, I'm just completely hopeless. And there's no guy ever that's going to be out there for me. And online dating is not my way to meet a guy. And that's it. And I'm like, if that's your mentality, you won't find someone, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if that's what you're walking in, then yeah, you don't get online because online won't work for you. The first mm-hmm. guy you see that goes to you or that isn't great, you will be turned off entirely and it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think, yes, let's acknowledge that it's been a disappointing, hard, lonely season and that we have the ability to transform our mindset within that and taking healthy steps to shake things up and kind of see this as an opportunity to maybe approach both our singleness and dating in a new way. Mm, I love that. I love that. Kat, talk to me. So good, Kate. Yeah. And man, I just resonate so much with the mindset and I, I, yeah, the mindset stuff is so, so powerful. You know, scripture says, take every thought captive. I'm like, they knew that like our minds are powerful. So thank you Bible for being awesome. So, you know, pre pandemic living in New York city, there are millions of people here, right? And and being a part of church community, I am a part of a church here in New York where it's 80% single people. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like, we're not in a college town and it's 80% single people and everyone's 19. We're like, okay, 80% of the people are single and in their 30s and their 40s working at JP Morgan and Deloitte and, you know, successful single people. And it, not everyone works at JP Morgan, but it's like the finance center. It's like finance and fashion center of the world, or maybe just the United States. I don't know. Um, you're going to have to fact check me on that. But so what was interesting is just being a part of church prior to COVID and feeling like, man, 80% of the people are single here. What's the breakdown? Why? aren't we dating each other and seeing kind of pre COVID. I mean, I'm a, I'm a why person and I'm the person who will ask the uncomfortable question, the elephant in the room. So I go up to my guy friends. I'm like, Hey, just, we, I saw you on hinge bumble. Why doesn't say you're a Christian? So, <laughs> Oh, well, you know, Oh, I don't want to lead with that. And finding man, all these guys I go to church with are also not saying they're Christians online. Like what's up with that. And then asking these same guys, like, why aren't you asking any of us out? <laughs> And finding this pattern of guys not wanting to ask girls out in their own church community and Mm -hmm. realizing- Wait, time out. You can't leave me on a cliffhanger. I feel like my (laughs) manicured hands are on a cliff right now. (laughs) So wait, so when you called this person out or these guys that you're in community with and saying, hey, why aren't you asking any of these girls out? What did they say? Because as a church leader- at the father's house, I'm seeing all these like single guys. And here's the thing. I'm, I am like very proactive about it. I'm like, yo, look at it's You're not in a famine, baby. You're in a feast. You have like legions of women here. Like let's, let's make this happen. So there's relationships that are blossoming in our church, which I'm really excited about. But when you called you this guy out, what did he say? And it's not, I didn't just call a guy out. Like, this is like me talking. I'm like, I've literally had that panel discussion, round table discussions. Wait, so, so put it in a nutshell. What's the nutshell is Christian girls put too much pressure on dating. Christian girls put too much pressure on dating and there's girl code in the church. So he asks you out and then it doesn't work out with you. And then he goes on a date with another person and all of a sudden he's a player Mm. and girl, a girl is like, well, no, it's like girls are acting as though like I own him or I'm entitled totally. to him. Totally. So he can't ask anyone if I can't go out with him. No one can. Yep. And then it's like, oh, wow. Well, now all the girls are uncomfortable because it's like, well, you know, 
so-and-so dated him. So he's off limits to everyone. And that's, that's not fair. Like you know I, what I not, say to that is what? that people aren't property. And that's I think gone. that we have like this, exactly. you know, when a dog urinates on a fire hydrant, it's, it's their it's fire that. hydrant. We're yeah. treating people the same way. And yeah. I worked for an anti-human trafficking organization. And that's like a big trigger for me. Like mm-hmm. people yes. are not property. You could have dated them, but you didn't marry them. So move on. Yeah. And they didn't marry yeah. you. And we just have to be mature. Okay. So cat sexless in the city, love the title. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, this was gosh, this was four years ago. Now, I think it was four years ago. We were at a conference in New York city together mm-hmm. and you were on a panel and you were talking about the sexual need and desire of women. So, so I grew up in purity culture, church mm-hmm. kid, all of us did. This is why I feel like, okay, what better people to have this conversation with? So we've been told, you know, and a lot of the teaching has been biblical and great, but a lot of it has sucked yeah. and there's so much baggage. And so, you know, you could wait for the one and believe that you're, you know, your Rebecca and I, Isaac moment is going to happen. Your Adam and Eve moment is going to happen. But for those that are wishing, hoping, waiting and praying, and it still hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about like, so you clearly made a decision that you were going to abstain from sexual activity until marriage. Mm-hmm. One, you are a unicorn Two, What do you do when your sexual drive and urges increase? Because as we get older, and this is a misnomer, mm-hmm. you know, men start with a high sex drive and then it decreases over age. Women peak, their sex drive peaks between mm-hmm. 40 and 47 years old. So mm-hmm. as our sex drive is increasing, what do you do without an outlet to express this desire and mm-hmm. sexual urges? Hi friends, I'm interrupting the podcast to tell you about an amazing new service I found called FrameBridge. FrameBridge makes it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite items from art prints and posters to travel photos sitting on your phone. With Mother's Day just around the corner, FrameBridge also makes the perfect gift. In fact, select gifts ship very next day. Here's how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload a photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Instead of paying hundreds for a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use my code going there. Get started today. Frame your photos and send someone the most perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use the promo code going there to save an additional 15% off your first order. Yeah. Oh man, this is so good. And I, I feel like it's, it's such a huge nuanced conversation, but I think just, first of all, it's problematic when we put pressure on one thing to fulfill all of a desire, whether it's how many women it's like, what do we really think underneath the surface? We think getting married is going to solve a problem for us. We think our, our future husband or a future spouse is going to cure that eating disorder, cure my financial woes. Like all these, we put all this pressure on one person that that one person was never created or designed to be our, our be all end all. And then I think we do the same thing with sexual desire. I think that there's a huge difference between sexual desire and desire for sex. But I think we learned from culture and in the church, actually, that the only way we express our sexuality and desire is through sex and orgasms. And so if you're in culture, good news. If it scratches, itch it. If you're hungry, feed it. Do what feels good, right? But if you're in the church and you're taught, all right, you know, God's way, scripture way is to flee from sex outside of marriage, then that's really bad news, right? It's like, so I'm in my sexual prime Mm -hmm. and I, what do I, what do I do with these urges? I think it, to me, I think if sexuality were a book that sex and orgasms and physical intimacy would be one chapter. Mm -hmm. And so much is able to like settle and release when we expand our vision on sexual desire. Sexual desire is just the desire that every single human has that gets us, that compels us to get outside of ourselves and into relationship with others. Mm-hmm. So does that mean physical intimacy and body parts touching? Yeah, sure. But it also can mean so much more. I think a huge way that I love embracing my sexual desires as a single person, I'll give you two examples is one is I think sex is the ultimate form of collaboration with another person that has the opportunity to bring new life into the world. 
And so when I, let's take that principle as a single person, I'm feeling my feelings. I'm feeling turned on. I'm feeling aroused, whatever it is. Let me use that energy. My pastor here in New York says, have an eroticism and passion for life that leads you into relationship with other people and make new things with them. Like have use that energy, that desire to create new things in the world. Like we right now are connected to our desire because we are in collaboration and relationship with each other, putting something new out there in the world, hoping for it to be a better place because of that. And so I think that's a beautiful way to connect to your desire. I think another way is the practice of being present. Like in the bedroom, you want to have a positive sexual experience. If you're thinking about that email, you have to send, right? I mean, it's like you're taken out of that moment. So how do we practice being present? Put your phone away, have people over for dinner and have everyone put their phone in a bowl at the door and have beautiful conversation, beautiful food, have good music, be connected to your senses and be in community with others. I think when we, it's almost like we're, we're, we create such a pressure cooker in the church of like, okay, so the only way, you know, the only way you can express <laughs> this is through sex. But at the same time, the church is like, don't think about sex. Don't talk about sex. Like, don't even think about thinking about having sex. And then it's like, well, then guess what? The only thing I'm going to be thinking about. I think we have to reimagine sexuality and re- and make the distinction between their sexual desire and desire for sex. There's moments where I'm like, yeah, as a single person today, it'll be really nice to have sex right now. Mm. Well, first, I'm just going to acknowledge that. And then there's other times where I'm feeling desire and then I can check in and say, what is that I'm really longing for right now? Mm. Actually, I'm really lonely. Yeah. So yeah. perhaps I can go hang out with a friend or actually I'm really just feeling like I have pent up energy. Maybe I can do an awesome dance class or go do to a fun workout. Yeah. So I love, I love what you're saying. And I feel like there is this, everything feels really integrated when it comes to relationships. And so, you know, we're talking about like having these sexual desires. Well, what happens when, you know, Kat, you were talking about being in relationship with people and how that need is met. Well, if there is a rejection that's at play, if you were in relationship and that door shut in your face, and that could even be platonic friendship, mm-hmm. there's that ache and that longing, that desire. So Kate, talk to me, you yeah. wrote a whole book on rejection. Yeah. Sometimes we have these moments where we act out in response to this feeling of rejection. And so what have you learned in the process of writing an entire book on rejection? Yeah. And actually I love everything you just said, Kat too. And we've had so many conversations about this because also, because it it is difficult, especially when we feel emotionally more vulnerable and those moments, especially after rejection and or a heartbreak, we can feel really emotionally vulnerable. If we don't have tools in place, if we don't know ourselves, we may go into easy numbing mechanisms and that numbing mechanism may be work. That numbing mechanism may be binging on Netflix. That numbing mechanism may be eating too much or not eating at all. That numbing mechanism may be having sex or wanting to hook up or just wanting that connection because I just want to fill that void um, from the loneliness I'm ultimately feeling. But if we come down to it, all of that is just numbing and we're numbing out the pain by a, a mechanism and not getting to the root of what we really need in that moment. And oftentimes what we need in that moment is connection back to Kat's point. So in the wake of a rejection, it's so important to be connected to ourselves, to say, to take a moment to say, wait a second, Um, If I can clear out of all the lies coming my way, the lies that are saying that this is about me, that I'm either too much or not enough, usually the two lies that come in the wake of any kind of rejection. If I could take, if I could pause and just stay connected to myself and remind myself, like, who am I and who does God call me to be and what unique, beautiful things do I bring to the world? And what I often see and where I try to coach people and what I had to learn in my own journey is that we haven't done that work already before we get out there and and talk to people or put ourselves out there. And therefore, when a rejection happens, our entire worth is in that situation. And so a man doesn't want to date you. You're like, it's because I'm not worthy. I will never find someone. God isn't good to me. But if we can work on knowing, well, what do we really bring to a relationship? Who am I? What does God call? Who does God call me? And um, if we know those things deeply in our hearts, then when a rejection happens, we can say, man, 
those lies that are coming my way, I'm not going to allow them to cling on to me right now because mm -hmm. I know that's what the enemy wants to do. I know that's I'm feeling weak and vulnerable right now. And it's tempting to go into those lies and then numb out with all those things I said before, but I'm not going to do that because I know who I am. And so I'm going to allow myself to feel the pain, but I'm not going to allow myself to be overwhelmed by to the point of believing all of those lies. And so I think a huge part of this, even to connect it to what Kat was saying is as you heal from some of this pain, a really big part of that is to be connected both with yourself to God and then to other people. And it sounds so easy and basic, but I think we don't do it. You know, we just yeah. literally, all we want to do is get into a, we want to stay connected in such a way that we're only venting and being and loathing our pain. Like we're a victim to all of our pain. So I may call up a girlfriend, but all I'm doing is talking so bad about that guy or so bad about myself. And that's not truly staying connected to somebody. We need to be honest about, you know, what I'm really thinking about myself and what that really made me feel when that person rejected me and, and be, and that's vulnerability, you know, be willing to step in and be vulnerable, call up that friend and say, you know, I'm just lonely and I am heartbroken. And would you be willing to walk with me these next few weeks as I start healing from this really deep pain, um, from this rejection that I just experienced? So really important to stay connected to ourselves, to know ourselves, to stay connected to God, to stay connected to really deep community as well. So I've read that you said, if you want to be with someone who values you, first, you have to live as you're valued. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that so hard? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing. The truth is that, that there's going to be single girls that are listening to you guys and like resonate. Mm. And it seems like as an outsider listening to you guys and all that you guys have accomplished, it feels like, wow, you've really figured this out. But is mm. that something that you still wrestle with? And if so, why is it so, we, we know what to do. Why is mm. it so hard to do it and or believe it? Yeah. I think that we all have little inklings of things that have been neuropathways in our brain that we just have to acknowledge that some of these thoughts and beliefs about ourselves have existed potentially since we were children, you know, three, mm. four, five years old, or, or even a little bit older than that. And so when uh, someone rejects me, it's not like in that moment, I'm like, well, I'm amazing. So you suck and I don't need <laughs> you anyway. You know, like that's not my reaction. My reaction is like, wow, that really hurts. And, yeah. and I really wanted this to work out. And there are doubts that come in my mind. And there are things that start to play in my head about myself. You know, it's not like I'm like completely invincible to them. The reality is that we aren't invincible to yeah. negative thoughts. We aren't invincible to, um, to rejection either. And so, yeah. uh, I know that some of like, I know my triggers. I know that there are belief systems that exist that are really deep neural pathways that I've worked really hard to rewire through the years, through extensive healing and therapy and being honest with mentors and friends in my life. But are those things completely dissipated a hundred million percent? No, <laughs> you know, like I can't tell you how many times I've contacted Kat over voice memo because we're good friends. And I'm like, Kat, I'm literally struggling with this right now. This lie, mm. I believe this about myself. Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, I know I shouldn't believe this. I know that it's not true, but I'm struggling with this right now. And this, it just mm. hurts. It sucks. And so, mm. you know, we need these people. We need to first know what those things are and which means mm. we have to go on a journey of knowing what are those belief systems about ourselves and then deconstructing that looking like, okay, well, where did that start from? Um, if this belief system is that I'm not worthy of love or that I'm ugly or that I'm too much or not enough, where did that come from? Cause it didn't just sprout out of nowhere. Like mm -hmm. it, it originated somewhere from somewhere, usually from your childhood. So then we got to go back to those layers. Okay. Well, did one person speak that over me or did a situation make me feel that way? And then what other situations compounded over time to continue that messaging over and over and over again. So now I'm in my thirties when, when a situation happens that triggers me back to that thought that I'm too much because that was my thought as a child, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm feeling too much. I'm feeling too much. I'm feeling like this. I'm never, nobody, I'm just too big for people, for men. Like I'm too much for them. Like my personality, my emotions. And I'm like, oh, and I, I get triggered and I have to take a moment and just recognize, man, that's coming from my childhood. That's coming mm. from those years that I was told that 
by my parents, you know, or they emphasize that through the way they were parenting me. And I have to get honest with myself mm -hmm. and say, okay, well, what is it that you truly know about yourself today, Kate, you know, and then bring a friend in, bring God into the situation. But I think Kat and I can both vouch for the fact that like, we don't, we sit here preaching the new, preaching, whatever we're preaching. And yet we still, I mean, those yeah. thoughts of are, are very real um, right. and, and happen for both of us. So yeah. Kat, I think like I've known you for a decade and I literally remember the names of guys that we've had conversations about, which <laughs> don't worry, we're not going to say their names here, but <sighs> low key, if I'm being savage, I literally could say their names and be yeah, like, so mean because I have stories. <laughs> so I won't do that because I'm saved and sanctified. <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, but I will come <laughs> for people because I, I will take these earrings. I will take, I will take these, these earrings, earrings off. off. We're yes. all wearing hoops. Oh, we're yeah. all wearing hoops. There oh, you yeah. go. Okay. Oh, yeah. So one of the things that I do love Kat, about this season and is that you've just been so honest about your desire to be in relationship, your desire mm -hmm. to be married, and it's a desire yet fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So somebody, if they can hear me talking about singleness, it's like they can listen from a different perspective, but it's different because I'm married. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing being sex in the city? Little plug for the book, you know, Hello. Hello. Um, what are you doing? in the practical when you yeah. are in a dating spell and what does that look like? Uh, I, I want practical handles. I want the nitty gritty because yeah. somebody out there is going to be set free because of your yeah. wisdom. Come on. When you say dating spell, what, what do you mean by that? I'm when sorry. I'm dry spell. Oh, dry okay, spell. Okay, okay. A, a dry dating spell. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I was like, what? Well, I think first is, I think the first step to like any sort of honest relationship with myself with God and others is to acknowledge the desire. It's why even on my podcast, I'll be like, yes, and I am single and I long to be in a relationship that leads to marriage and I want to be married. I would love to have babies one day um, because I want to own that. There's nothing shameful about that. So I think first and foremost, like before we can talk about how do I deal with dating in the dry spell, it's like, I have the permission to want and I have the permission to be honest with my desire. I have, it's, there's nothing embarrassing. Also, if you are a person that doesn't long for marriage, like you're allowed to not long for marriage. If you are like, it was funny the other day, my sister was like, why would she, she was like, I never want to have kids. And I was like, oh, interesting. Like, tell me about that. And she was like, well, don't most people just like, doesn't like people just don't want to have kids. <laughs> And I was just like, yeah, you are allowed to not want to have kids. You aren't less of a woman. You aren't less of a Christian woman. And so I think first, just let me just acknowledge where I'm at because God can handle it. God already knows. And then from there, I think the, the hard part, right. Is holding the tension mm -hmm. of like, like here's the desire and it's not happening. And then also remembering like my life is not on hold. Like, I feel like that's like the biggest thing I encounter is, and this is, I used to believe this too. I used to believe my life will start when that wedding ring is down my finger and I played small in my career. I was not great with my finances in a lot of my twenties. I, um, I thought I at some point I was like, yeah, I'll do the photography thing, but I don't really have to like save a lot. Cause I was like, I'll just meet a guy who's been really good at this money. And then I'm just going to start popping out babies. So I didn't really have a vision for my life or the calling mm. that God had for me. And now I'm like, my life is good. Like I have a life where I am living out my calling. I feel connected to God. I feel connected to others. And I know that I know that I know that I would rather be single than be with someone who isn't a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. And I've almost gotten engaged and you probably know the guy's name. I Bianca. Do. You guys I both do. know. I mean, this homeboy <laughs> was even talking to my dad, asking for my hand in my marriage and thank God that my ex ended up getting scared and walking away mm -hmm. because I wouldn't have had courage to walk away. And I would mm -hmm. most likely not, I would probably be divorced by now. Um, but like, I just feel like I could be married if I want, like we all could be dating people, like go online, swipe, right. Like you can meet someone who's good enough, you know, mm -hmm. but I just feel like, no, like I know that I know that I know. Cause I've been in relationships that I've settled. I know I'd rather be single than be with someone that is like, not the person that God has for me. Mm -hmm. And in that, like, and then like the other hand, so if like we're holding the tension of, I long for the desire and I like my purpose isn't defined by my relationship status. And also it's still hard. Like, so what do I do in a dry spell? Like I just acknowledge it, you know, like I, 
I like struck out like two really big times, like since January. And I was like, all right, like, that's hard. Like let myself feel the disappointment. And, um, Kate and I both coach women, like with online dating Oh, and women and men, like, you know, go on it. And then if you're feeling burned out, take a break. There's been times. Yeah. Like I have felt super insecure at times. I'm like, am I like the hairstylist that has terrible hair? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they go to the hair salon. And you're like, I don't really know if I want her cutting my hair. Cause she's like, you know, not really living it. And I think there's been times where I felt insecure of like, man, I, here I am dishing all this advice and it's not working for me <laughs> or hasn't worked yet. So I think in the dry spell, like be honest with yourself. Yeah. I think we tell each other and ourselves these very weird spiritual lines. Like it'll happen when you least expect it, or just be content in your relationship with God. And so we're like, I'm content. I'm content. Like <laughs> pretending that we're content. I just think God can really handle our honesty. Mm-hmm. And I think, so let's just be honest with the dry spell where we're at with the disappointment and also have the audacity to believe that when God says, when Romans five, five says, hope does not put me to shame. That means hope does not put mm, me to shame. Come now on. that doesn't, that's not me like naming and claiming. If you want a husband, God's going to give it to you because hope does not put you to shame. It just means if I'm hoping for a thing and believing for it, regardless, if I get it, God is good yeah. and he's not going to shame me. And so I think it's like, can we sit with the tension of the both and the mm. tension of the longing with the tension of still putting ourselves out there? Yeah. And I think it's easier to pretend that we we're fine. I'm fine. Or I've just, I've recently met a few girls who are like, I'm intentionally single. And I'm like, no, you're scared of rejection. <laughs> like you need Kate's it, book. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's too painful. It's go. painful to hope, right? It's painful to let ourselves hope yeah. because yeah. with hope comes the possibility of heartbreak. Or mm, what if the yeah. answer is no, what if mm. God's like, no, that's a hard thing to sit with. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So as we, as we kind of like wrap up this conversation, which I mean, this topic is so layered and so nuanced, but you guys talk to many single women, you guys are in the middle of this, you guys are outworking it. And let me affirm you doing a really good job at it as well. So if you haven't been told that you're doing a really good job at navigating your own singleness while leading people in this journey of singleness, let me just affirm you guys both because Mm -hmm. you are. But what is a question that I didn't ask you, Kate, and that I didn't ask you, Kat? What's a question that I didn't ask you that I should have? Because you feel like, oh, this is what I learned and I, I'm dying to share this with someone. So yeah. Kate, you go first. Oh, girl, I think my biggest lesson in the last few years that I just, I could scream it from the rooftop is that we need to get rid of our idea of quote unquote type. We, I think the first Mm -hmm. thing that we ask people, it's like, well, what's your type? And I cringe a little bit at these days because usually when we answer it, it's like, oh my gosh, he has to be six two. He has to be a worship artist. He has to lead a boy, you know, a Bible study and he has to play lacrosse and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, why, what, like, why is that your type? That has nothing to do with the heart of the man and who he is. And, and when you ask married couples, usually when you ask married couples, a lot of times when I do, I'm like, did you think this is the person you'd end up with? Most of the time they're like, no, no, I'm going to answer that as a married woman. I saw him. I thought he was good looking, but if you walked down the street, it wouldn't been like, Oh, break me off a piece of that. No, it was the heart behind him and his heart for the Lord. I was like, Oh my God, that's hot. So I Mm -hmm. can co-sign. I'm your witness girl. Girl. Exactly. And what I love about it is like, I've challenged myself throughout the last five years on that. And even just in 2021, I mentioned at the beginning that I am dating a few different people. And I want to just quickly touch on that. Like you can do that if you're very clear with people and you're not doing it forever and you're not like, you know, leading anybody on Um, a great book on that is how to get a date worth keeping by Dr. Henry cloud. And so, but through that, even just dating a few different kinds of people this year, they're different people. Like they all love God. So that's a core thing that for me is really important. Mm -hmm. And that's a value that I won't negotiate on, but they they're all different. You know, their interests are different. Their heights are different. Their jobs are different. The way they look is very different. And like, I would, you could line them all up and be like, wow, these are, these are different guys, you know? And so I think this idea of a type, and I see so many women, they're like, no guys are asking me out. No guys are asking me out. No guys are asking me out. And then this one guy asked them out. They're like, 
but not you, you know, (laughs) but no guys are asking me out, but no guys are asking me out. And I'm like, just say yes, just go out there take the pressure off. Stop saying like, oh, well, I won't go out with him because he's not my type. Just keep an open mind. I think that's Mm. the thing is like, we don't have to marry someone from a first date just go out with somebody and be open and see what God can do. God has so blown my mind through dating different kinds of people. And to be honest, the guys in the last few months that I've dated, the one that I thought like, oh, that's going to be the one I end up dating. I'm no longer even talking to him. The (laughs) point is that like God can really transform. Like you're, if you keep an open mind, you really, he knows better for us. Let's be honest. And that, that's all I'm going to say about that. I love it. I love it. That's great. Kat. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Kate. Just dropping our attachment to what, who we think the one should look like. I, I love that. Gosh, I think, I mean, so much of what brought me to this journey, writing this book, where I am today is I was on the heels of a breakup. And ever since I was a young girl, you know, growing up in evangelical purity culture in nineties, early two thousands, I thought, you know, good Christians don't have sex until marriage. And that's like, it was kind of like period the end. Mm-hmm. I never, even though I was a Bible major in college, I had no, I couldn't tell you one verse in, one verse in the Bible that actually talked about sex outside of marriage. I just mm-hmm. was like, good Christians don't do that. Got it. Three on the Enneagram. I'm going to be the poster child for that. <laughs> and I never questioned that until I started dating and realized it's a lot harder to keep your pants on than <laughs> when you're dating. It's like a lot harder not to have sex when you're actually with someone you really care about. And on the heels of a breakup, I just felt really confused. Like what, it seems like all my Christian friends and non-Christian friends here in New York, were all having sex. And I was like, I just, is, is, is this a still a thing or mm-hmm. is like abstinence, some outdated Christian norm that's no longer relevant. And, um, I think as I went on this journey of what is, what does the Bible really say about sex? What does the Bible really say about intimacy, desire, relationships, all of that? I just felt like so like, oh my gosh, what I'm so passionate about is let's talk about the God story, the epic, compelling God story about relationships and intimacy outside of a set of do's and don'ts. Like do's and don'ts are like used as tools to produce conformity, but Jesus leads with relationship and relationship leads to heart leads to transformation. And so I just feel like that is what I am super passionate about is not telling people 10 reasons why abstinence is still God's best. And if you do this, you're going to have the best sex in your life. Cause I'm like those messages, first of all, just like, I don't think they're true and they don't work, (laughs) you know, like shame doesn't work. And so I just want to share the message of like, God has really good and beautiful things. God loves sex. God created it. God created our sexual desire. God's not like, that's what happens when guys get turned on. Oh my gosh. Like God didn't just like make our bodies and like leave our private parts to the devil. Um, so I want to just normalize the conversation about sex and intimacy and relationships and normalize that. Like we have the permission to seek God, seek the scriptures. And it's like, don't take your pastor's word for it. You get to do your work. You get to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You get to go to God's word. You get to seek wisdom. And we have the permission to, to do that. I love that. I love that. You guys are living this out so beautifully. I'm excited to share your resources with the listeners and I can't wait for them to follow you and also fall in love with the books and everything you guys are doing. So thank you guys so much for being on the show. I appreciate you dearly. Thanks, Thanks Bianca. Love you. Love you, girl. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. I am so excited to be able to bring amazing conversations. Next week, we are closing out the season, but don't worry. There's going to be some bonus episodes coming your way before we make it to season three. Also, if you have amazing suggestions or love to see guests on the show, or you have some crazy hookup for like Beyonce or JLo, you could email us at podcast at in the name of love.org. That's podcast at in the name of love.org. We love you. We're so grateful you listen. On behalf of producer Madi and I, we hope that you have a fabulous week and we will connect next week as we go there.